Hey guys, this episode of All Gen Gamers is brought to you by Retro Magazine. Check out readretro.com, enter the promo code ALLGENPRINT, get a great savings on both the print and digital copy of the magazines. There's six issues every year. So check out readretro.com. Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, this is John. I'm here with Jason Heine. What's up, Jason? What up, guys? Uh, so we're missing two of our co-hosts. We're, we're missing uh, Jason, Metal Jesus, he's on vacation, and uh, Pete has got some school stuff he's attending to. So, uh, But we're here with uh, some special guests. We've got Falco and Tyler. What's going hey on, guys? guys? Hey, guys. Hey. So, so you guys, uh, first off, congratulations. You guys just did a big Kickstarter uh, for a new game coming out for Dreamcast and Steam and the OUYA, it looks like. Elysian right, Shadows, right? right? So right. why don't you guys kind of talk about uh, you know what this game's about, You know what inspired... Uh, it looks like what Secrets of Mana and uh, Chrono Trigger, Trigger. yeah, the main ones. Yeah, so okay. cool. So probably like we'll we'll start from the beginning. This started off as uh, <laughs> it started off as a Dreamcast exclusive project. Basically, yeah. I was doing it. I was doing it in my mommy's attic. It was just like a a work of passion. And really, what I wanted to do initially is I wanted to to just create like an old school sixteen bit RPG, like Chrono Trigger, or Secret of Mana. You know, nothing new, nothing nothing innovative. But like as I went on, like as I developed this engine and the other guys joined the team, you know, like we found ourselves really wanting to like push it further and and do things, you know, that weren't possible on older consoles. We, our artist especially, oh my god, he kept begging for like dynamic <laughs> yeah. dynamic lighting and things like that. And and we had some really cool ideas for combat that would require actual physics, you know. And and really like we got to the point where we realized like this really is not like a Chrono Trigger clone anymore. That's not what this is like. We, we thought it over and we rebranded ourselves. That's what the whole quote next gen 2D RPG came from is, is we decided what we wanted to do is, is creatively. We just wanted we wanted to take like aspects of, of what made those games awesome, like the whole pixel art look. And we wanted to, to fuse it with modern graphics, modern lighting effects, dynamic shadows, dynamic lighting. Um, we have full 3D positional audio in our engine, uh, a physics engine particles. Basically, we wanted to reinvent these games so that uh, a gamer today could pick it up, you know, who never experienced Chrono Trigger or Secret of Mana back in the day, and they would be excited for it. But then people like us who grew up loving the classics, we could also pick it up and, and you know, experience that all over again, and it, it would be new again. So that's kind of where we came from. And that's not just graphically for us either. I mean... Um those older school games like that, uh, there was something about that, that time, I guess, in gaming history where the feels, know, the, the, the feels, the storyline, everything was just <laughs> epic. We're like, I, I really don't feel like there's that many games that get released nowadays that really can connect with somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're too distracted with like all the kind of crazy graphics or it's not really like a, like a personal experience to sit there and really connect with these different characters from these games. So you know, we, we definitely wanted to do that. And um, I think especially with like, like the dynamic lighting, you know, being able to create like these really emotionally intense scenes and, and really uh, bring these environments and, and stuff to life. Like it's, it's incredible. Something I, I mean, I guess that's kind of how I imagine games looking, you know, feeling nostalgic about it. But some games don't age that well going back and playing them. So, I mean, I like the graphics. They're definitely you can see there's a retro influence to them. And it looks like a 2D but slash 3D game. Kind of. <laughs> right. It's, like, it's hard yeah. to explain. Uh, yeah, we, we don't but. we don't even know, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like cool. we get like so many shadow. people like, is it 2D or is it 3D? Like, actually, the engine itself is fully 3D. So those are. 
Those are actually sprites being rendered in full 3D space. Like it, when we're debugging, you know, when we're developing in the engine, we, we go into like a first person perspective and, and we can look, go through the environment like that from a first person camera angle, because that, that's how we're able to light things in a, in a truly realistic manner. That's how we're able to do all the surround sound stuff is because actually the engine is truly doing this in 3D. It's really cool to talk to dudes that feel the same way. I've been saying this for years, like that era, that that just that whole period of for gaming. I call it magical. Like there was magic. Yeah, dude, yeah. Really, really, that's like the best way to describe it, it's 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 really hard. And I feel I feel bad sometimes for for people when I talk to them about it, especially like the younger audience that we have who who may you know they didn't grow up during that time, and it's like what's what's cool about it is that you know you guys know that magic i'm talking about and you guys are making a game and creating something that pays homage to that era during that time it's like if we can bring that forward and just have even just a percentage (laughs) of what it Uh, felt like then that's that's what i want you're on to something so like big props to you guys thanks man you you get it man totally i talk about it all the time i mean i'm like i made a stupid video i was like was this magical or just nostalgic like shit no this is magical this (laughs) really cool time for gaming all of it was so cool yeah man Mm -hmm. that's why we all we always say the feels like we're all about the feels that's what it is that period I don't know. That's the only way I know to describe really, it. Really, uh, you know, kind of coming back around like some of the gameplay and stuff. I mean, uh, all these different games that we were influenced by like that. I mean, the, you know, the great RPGs like Chrono Trigger or Fantasy Star and things like that. But then like, you know, we also had like the Mega Man X series and then uh, Mega Man Legends and things like that too. Um, to where we're kind of bringing these influences from these kind of slightly different gameplay elements. Like you wouldn't really expect like some Castlevania in your Chrono Trigger or something like that. I, I, so, but uh, that that was another thing that was like really exciting for us creatively. Is okay. So we we built like this this next gen like lighting engine in a two D game and this audio engine, but you know what are we doing to really push the envelope for gameplay and things like that? And so we actually found a lot of uh, inspiration from, from games that weren't necessarily RPGs. And that was pretty exciting for us. Like one of the things you'll notice is, is to also open up exploration to the third dimension, you can jump and there's a lot of platforming elements in the game, which actually that was inspired by Mario RPG. So that is an RPG, but (laughs) A lot, a lot of the combat moves and stuff, like Tyler said, we were going back and we were playing games like Mega Man X and like the fluidity of the way that you could, you Mega could move X. and yeah, move and interact with your environment. We really liked that, but we also wanted to keep like the the level of strategy of something like a, a an RPG, you know. So that there's a lot of fusion in that aspect, and we've we've all been able to like basically like reach into our childhood and like pinpoint, oh, dude, I need like aspects of this game and listen shadows and. It's just, it's been really rewarding. And that's why I, I feel like our whole team is so emotionally invested in it is because like we found little pieces of like what's, what's made us love gaming and what's made us so passionate. And we've been able to like incorporate that within Elysian shadows. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just take a quick second here. Pete is now joining us. He just got online. Hey Pete. Hey man. Hey. Uh, hey guys. Um, the, th- the thing too, that I like most about it 
And, and I'll be honest with you, like I, I kind of I'm just recently coming into this and seeing your game kind of for the first time. I'm, I'm so I'm so thrilled. <laughs> that's, so that's I just want to say that's that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, but I want to say, man, you know what I, what I like most about it is that it's it's totally like a retro game engine, but it takes advantage of. And I mean, you guys are just talking about it, but it takes advantage of all the modern stuff that we like the physics the dynamic yeah, lighting yeah. you know the audio engine is a 3d audio engine all that stuff like that shit's exciting you know yeah like, no i agree man like I'm, <laughs> I'm the guy coding it up and i'm fucking stoked dude i mean we really, really are making the game that we've always wanted to play yeah. and we've had quite a few people that i guess understand like the feels like what we mentioned they approach us you know they, they wanted to do like an article about us for their website and they're like these guys get it like you know you definitely have to check this game out if, if you know you hear the word chrono trigger you know things like that and it kind of just makes you nostalgic for just a second like this is it like i, I knew when we were onto something when i was coding the engine and i was like fucking excited to get into like the lighting equations i'm like oh let's do some math you know that's how i knew <laughs> <laughs> this shit's going that's somewhere that's funny that's funny so do you have a coding background or is this your first game or i mean uh, actually i do man and i it's it's funny i actually when i was 14 the Sega Dreamcast is what started it all for me. I was 14 years old and I was, I was Googling around for like, I don't know, something Dreamcast related. And I stumbled upon dcemulation.org and I, I was exposed to the Dreamcast homebrew scene. And I, I was 14 years old. This was before the app store. This was before any indie uh, publishing platforms. Basically, the only time you could ever develop for a console was if you were a huge company. And here was this community of basically crazy motherfuckers who reverse engineered the, Dream the Dreamcast. And they were making their own games for it. And I, I will never forget that day. I was like, oh, my God, I want to be a part of this. And so, like, cool. I, I walked to the library and, like, I taught myself C and C++ for that and, like, that's really what started it all for me. I'm I'm a graduate student right now, uh, working on my master's in computer engineering with a focus on GPU programming. But dude, the Dreamcast started it all for me. I was I was rendering polygons on that thing before I could do Hello World on a PC. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Nice. Wow. And Falco was the only other guy I knew growing up. Uh, growing up, that had a Dreamcast. So because all your friends suck. <laughs> Yeah, well, we we met in like I think it was like what the fifth or sixth grade and like in middle school and I was like riding the bus and I heard this guy say Dreamcast I was like dude no way like someone else knows what that is. <laughs> yeah. Now, is it, now correct me if I'm wrong. Is Watermelon publishing this game for you guys? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So yes. see, it's kind of confusing when when we say publisher because we're indie, they're right. indie. So people right, right. are like, yeah, people are like what? People are like, you have a publisher. Why the hell are you on Kickstarter? Basically, what it means for us is they are they are the guys. We're using their infrastructure to create the actual physical copies for the Dreamcast, like the the jewel cases, the professionally pressed discs, the uh, the box art, the instruction manuals, all that. They've they've actually invested a lot of money, and like I swear, these guys are just gurus just at doing this kind of stuff. Ridiculous attention to detail. Their attention like, to details, yeah. like with, with Pierce Solar, you know, they've already had to invest this this time and money into being able to produce this kind of stuff. So it really made sense that like we're, we're both like mutual fans of each other's work, and we've both been following each other. They reached out to us, you know, and it, it makes sense that we go with them. Like they're getting a, a return investment on what they what they built, you know, and in return, we're getting to use their infrastructure and. Those That's are great. really awesome guys. Yeah, yeah they're in good hands because I have you know the original. I forget what they call it, but the original version of the Pierre Solar. And when I tell you, that has to be like 
the number one collector's edition in my entire collection. Yes. Like the way yeah, they put that thing together with me. like the little hidden goodies, like in the flaps <laughs> and like, man, exactly. I was like going to town exactly. on that thing. The art, yeah. just the feel of the box, like everything is so it's good. Incredible. When you talk about the feels and like the seeing feel. that box, like <laughs> looking the care, no, really like the love and care and like attention to detail. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, like uh, Tulio told us that when he was trying to make the cartridges, he had to find someone that could make like the screws that went in the back of the Genesis cartridge. He had to have them exactly the same, just like you would, you know, any other Genesis game you may have on your shelf. So mm. you had to find someone to actually make those screws for him. The attention to detail, you know, the yeah, little attention to detail. But, yeah, crazy. Like, and, and we knew that, like, it was for us, like, instantly, without question, there would be no one else that we would trust with our game, you know, to, to publish it physically like that and, and give it to our fans. I mean, and, and actually, Tulio drove all the way out from Iowa to Alabama yeah. to, per, to personally kind of like take us under his wing and coach us like okay you he showed us his, like his we basically or, like I don't know if you guys knew this but we quit our day jobs as engineers and basically like put our entire financial well-being on the line we've been living off of credit cards like debt sleeping on each other's couches We've been pretty much living like hobos and like we're retarded, I know. But like this Kickstarter was pretty much everything for us. And mm. and Tulio really came over and he's like, all right, this is what you guys are getting into. Like he showed us the back end for Pierce Solar. He helped like coach us basically, you know, because we're, we're engineers. We know how to make a game, you know, yeah, but we don't necessarily know how to how to run a game development company, you know, and, and sure. he's been super helpful in that regard. Yep. And, and dude, it's it's hilarious when he came over and he brought his copy of Pierce Solar, like you're saying, like not even the game box itself, the box that that came in, like it was watermelon branded. And I shit you not, the tape holding it together was watermelon embroidered. I didn't even want to fucking <laughs> the plastic that it was in it. was yeah, watermelon. It's true. I, know, yes. I didn't yes. even want to yeah. open it. Yep. Yes, that was crazy. Mm. For the listeners out there, I don't know if you guys mentioned this, but we had Tulio on the podcast a long time ago, actually, to talk about Pierre Solar. I think it was actually before the game was out. Right before they released it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to go back and listen to that. Oh, yeah. what episode that was. Yeah, that would be interesting. Pierre Solar? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's... Yeah, that's I want to go listen years. to that. So that, that was before it came out on the Genesis? It was actually... I think it was the first pod, or maybe the second podcast I'm sure, I'm he was ever on. I'm searching for it right now. I'm searching for it Yeah, right we had two of them on, actually. I forget the guy's other name. I forget. Forgive me. Holy crap. Uh, Fonzie? Yeah, yeah, Fonzie. Yeah, Yeah, that's... uh, I I was really happy he came down here and met with us and everything. Like Falco said, I mean, uh, you know, we've been doing this stuff for so long, but we really had no idea about what to do on the business side of stuff, and that was was just awesome. Episode 119, uh, no copy of Pierce Solar uh, left unopened. <laughs> that so. seems fitting, guys. That's a serious like piece of Sega homebrew history. Really I gotta, I gotta watch that. Do my yeah, homework tonight. So one nineteen, yeah. He actually brought us copies of that when he came down here to visit us. He surprised us with that was my uh, my birthday weekend, and uh, he brought us both copies of um, the original run of Pierce Solar for the Genesis. And um, so, I mean, that was awesome. But like later on, because he was staying the whole weekend, and we were going to go to like the Space and Rocket Center and stuff since we lived here in Huntsville. Um, and uh, that night, uh, you know, Falco and I were sitting here, and I'm like, dude, we let's get out Pierce Solar. Like we can't like not beat the first boss. Like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I feel like we need to put in a little bit of research on this. You know, we. we we can't do that. And we, we sat there for a couple hours and like, uh, I kind of forgot. It's been a while since I've played like fantasy star for the Genesis. And it's, 
pretty yeah, intense. Do some grinding. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> is grinding to beat that first boss, the crab, right? Was it? Or something? Yeah, yeah, like oh, yeah, I, that was tough. I had trouble with that too. Oh man, we, yeah, we were tough. like, dude, we have to beat this boss for Tulio tomorrow, dude. We have to do it. Like, we're not going to bed. <laughs> like, we can't show up, you know, and go hang out with him if, like, you know, we get just died. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> he really pushed the boundaries for the Genesis, though. I mean, really, oh yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Audio, I mean, just that's impressive. Like it really like from I have an engineering background like that was one of the first things that drew me to watermelon is I'm like holy shit like these guys like from a sheerly technical perspective that's just astounding they're the real deal to us and it was crazy finding out you know they knew about us as well too mm. so mm. so this has been a what, couple year project for you then huh oh yeah uh, it's, it's been yeah. A, it's been a while yeah yeah. Wow. So like, like I said, man, I started off like 14, like had this dream, you know? So a lot of it for us was just growing into our trade and, and you can see, like, I don't know if you guys Learned know, but we program the whole way. Like, yeah, we have, uh, adventures in game development on YouTube, which is basically, it's kind of, uh, it's a quote reality game development series where we've pretty much so shown the development of Elysian shadows behind the scenes like since its inception just showing like the code staying up all night abusing caffeine like looking like shit making the game you know all the hype behind that and, and, and it's shown like basically us go from nobodies had no idea really how to code or make a game to where we are today so a lot of that it truly was just like picking up our trade yeah, it really was. It's, cool. it's been it's been a huge learning process for us. What's what's this about you guys releasing the engine in toolkit as well? We have the yeah, Dreamcast. Yes. That's badass. Right. Right. Talk about that. And, and we got yeah, a lot please, of people who be... elaborate on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so when we when we set off to build the listing shadows, like we had this really ambitious, we still do, very ambitious very idea. Very ambitious. For for what we wanted the game to be. And and it required us basically architecting our own engine. And especially if we wanted to run on the Dreamcast, which we absolutely did. So we were already building our own engine to, to really interact with your own custom engine. You need your own toolkit, you know, to, to be able to lay the levels, to be able to expose like the lighting and stuff to the artists. So we wound up creating what was actually like an entire development suite where you could build levels and, and send them to your Dreamcast over the network or send them to your OUYA or whatever and play through them as you build them. And uh, actually, it, it became more like an, an entire full-fledged gaming engine. And uh, a, during the early days of, of the development of this engine, I was actually working part-time at a startup game development company as a, developing with the Unity 3D engine, and that really influenced a lot of the direction with Elysian Shadows. And, and th this was before Unity 2D was out, and arguably, I want to say we're better than them anyway. <laughs> that, mm. Like what, I mean, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do initially was more or less like what Unity 2D became with, with our engine and stuff like that. And as time's gone, uh, time's gone on um, with like like you saw the 2D and 3D perspective. Like I don't even know how to describe it now. It's like a pseudo 2d slash 3d engine that, that's fully extensible through lua and and like the the uh the example that i like to give is basically like you can take our game engine you know like we developed it to be for a 2d rpg but it has a physics engine in one line of code i can say basically add gravity to all of these objects in the scene and boom they all fall to the ground and you've gone from a, a pop down 2d rpg to a 2d platformer like it's it's very versatile donkey in that kong scene. country rayman style like. <laughs> yeah i'm in wow. <laughs> well, so, I mean, as, long, as long as the contact resolution algorithm is working correctly, I'm oh, yeah, still working. And the Lewis scripts don't crash. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
But uh, one one thing that we really you know thought would be cool with this too is like uh, you know Falco really grew up on like the, the Dreamcast uh, forums and things like that, and you know there was always like this kind of dissonance of like okay how how do I get this to work you know and people would say you know well there was a good walkthrough here well that got taken down there was a good walkthrough here like there was really no good. W- 100% for sure like point A to point B like you did have to put a lot of research in and things like that so um, usually those guys are, are pretty tight-knit in those communities and like you know, we, we host our own forums on our website and one thing that we thought would be just absolutely incredible um, would be to you know once we release um, these tools along with our copies of our game um, you know obviously you can modify or create your own content for listing shadows but you can also you know obviously do it for your own projects and your own games you know uh, really wanted to, to, to kind of bring that community back to life and, you know, hopefully be a part of it. I mean, that, that's something that, you know, now that we're not rushing for a Kickstarter or we're not stressing out working crazy hours during the week and staying up all night on the weekends, devving because we had, you know, two jobs basically, well, we're still you know, at anyway, well, obviously, but, you know, we're kind of able to take a step back now and, you know, actually appreciate kind of the community that is kind of built up around us from, from like YouTube and things like that, that, um, you know, we obviously like already sold like a, uh, those pre-orders where we were letting people create like their own NPCs and things like that for listening shadows that, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see like the user content and what other people can come up with our tools. And I know, I, I know for a fact the Dreamcast community is excited to hopefully have a bunch of new not shoot 'em up games come out from Dreamcast. I, I, yeah, I think. Right. Yeah. I think one of the big things for the Dreamcast community is is like there are so many smart people there. But one of the problems with the Dreamcast community is there are so many smart motherfuckers there that like it's very hard for someone who doesn't have an engineering or coding background yeah. to get it to get into Dreamcast development. It's just it's not as it's not as newbie friendly as something like the Ouya or mobile devices when when really it should be. And that's that's kind of a void I feel like ESTK fills because we've had we've kind of had to make it idiot proof because of our artists, right? So, <laughs> so it should be usable by everyone. It's basically it's artist friendly, is what I like to say. So I, I think cool. it's accessible in that in that aspect. And one of the things too is like you don't have to be like the the C C plus plus guru to to be able to really create something. I mean, I primarily write uh, in Lua. Truly, I mean, I've always got the engine open and I'm, I'm tweaking with stuff there or looking at wrappers. But like um, almost all the coding I do is simply in Lua. And Lua is a very lightweight, easy to learn language. Granted, we're using our entirely you know developed API that we came up with, which we want to publish and put out there, um, so that you know. People can can easily reference all that and, and just really just jump right into it. Um, it that's really what I want to see. I'm, I'm really excited for that. I have I have a question. Just I guess kind of for me personally because I'm I'm interested in this too. So I'm kind yeah. of, I'm a big audio guy, and I would love oh, to create yeah. something and do my own sound design for it. Is that going to be possible? Is am I, I going to be able to implement all that as well and say some sort yeah, of yeah yeah? So so let me talk a little bit about the audio engine. Like as far as audio itself goes, it will probably all be like AUG or MP3 based, but. There's a lot more to it than that. First of all, when, when we brought when we brought our audio guy on, man, I'll never forget. Like, we brought him <laughs> aboard, and, and we have a private development forum, which is basically where we collaborate on the project. And like, I wake up, and this guy has written a fucking like page long dissertation on this audio engine that has to be implemented in Elysian Shadows for like his vision. And I'm just like, 
Yeah, we, Falco and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, either he's extremely like crazy far out there or like this guy's like super serious business. We don't know what we got into being like, yeah, man, come, come be part of the team. Like, let's so, do this. so yeah. So one of, one of the things that he wanted to be able to do is, is we wanted di- music to be dynamic and, and influenced environmentally. And what I mean by that is say you're, you're, you're roaming around in the forest. Basically, uh, Connor has a, a, a softer forest track, you know, with, with maybe a few instruments, but then say you, you come within like aggro distance of an enemy. He dynamically adds a few, uh, extra instruments like the, 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 the pace start. Yeah. The pace starts to pick up, you know, it builds up tension. And then when you actually engage in combat, like it, it kind of climaxes like that. It, it's, it's very dynamic in that sense and that you can fade audio in and out like that. And, and as you kill the enemies, you know, we, we also have like the dynamic camera too. So like, it's kind of zooming in and out just a little bit to keep the enemies on screen as, as they get closer to you to kind of zoom in on the action. You, know, you, you kill off like a bunch of the slimes, you know, and the music will kind of peacefully slide back into like the more serene, like forest uh, background music like that. Right. But, um, but to answer, awesome. to, to really answer your question better. Yeah. Basically like it would be importing something like an aug or an mp3 and then you have like quite a bit of control over like how it loops how it fades into other tracks whether it whether it fades out and then fades in or whether it like literally dynamically merges into the other track and then another thing that connor oh that he begged us for is he wanted several layers of like auxiliary tracks and one of the problems is like at that point you're literally running into like hardware limitations yeah, on the dreamcast, dreamcast. Mm-hmm. so, so the, yeah the dreamcast can't necessarily decode like two simultaneous augs at once but on the pc and on the other platforms first of all none of this will be gameplay affecting elysian shadows but for for a no, little no. bit of a little bit of extra immersion like you have other tracks on on like the pc for for wind for rain for things like that and those are also positional as well so in connor's crazy survival horror ruins that he he loves to make you know but like the background music could be coming from a jukebox in the corner of some cobweb dusty room Hmm. so it's it's pretty immersive in that respect very nice yeah i'm looking forward to it cool (laughs) how did you guys come up with a story oh wow um well, interestingly enough, Elysian Shadows um, actually started out as a story concept. Um, story and the narrative and, and the, the character uh, plots are very, very essential to us. That's one thing that, you know, uh, I guess my goal is really that I want to make sure that it's a very powerful, moving story and we really connect with, with the characters. Um, the feels, the feels. The feels. <laughs> so it started out and like, it, it's changed a lot in some aspects, but in other aspects, like it's, it's the exact same. Um, I guess, uh, the biggest change is that we, we were initially worried about to what degree do we suspend disbelief for magic? Um, when we first started out, the, the storyline was, was very just hard facts. Like everything had to be 100% explained to a T, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like there wasn't crazy kind of magic, but there was magic, you know, and, as we kind of, I guess, gave ourselves a little bit of liberty with it and really started playing with some of these different ideas and concepts we had for, for lore and, you know, what could be the sources of magic and, you know, how does man interact with it and, you know, what does that really truly mean and how is that affecting everything else that, uh, you know, we found different ways to kind of actually tie it back into, like, modern-day technologies like... Uh, uh, the, 
I'm trying. I'm trying not to spoil anything here. I'm, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take yeah. a step back real quick and like actually answer the question. <laughs> Sorry, no offense. Uh, so like <laughs> basically, like the premise is that Elysian Shadows takes place in a, in a world that's caught in constant conflict between magic and technology. Like that's that's a very central theme to the storyline. Basically, magic is something that's bestowed to the faithful. It's it's tied very very tightly in with religion. It's something that that the faithful are rewarded with for, for their servitude and their loyalty and their faith. Whereas the other sects of, uh, of humanity, people like, uh, scholars, um, explorers, people, normal people. I mean, typically normal people, those guys rely more on technology for their day-to-day lives. And they're seen as heretics by the, uh, the more magical, the more magical people in society. And so there's like this struggle between the two. And really what, what that was influenced by is we wanted to make a storyline that was actually relevant to real life. Cause like we've put so much time and energy into creating this, this engine, like trying to innovate everything. We wanted a storyline that was actually like intellectually stimulating and, and actually like reached upon some kind of moral dilemma in modern society. So what it is, is it was influenced by, uh, modern technological advances and dilemmas relating to the biomedical field. Um, If you think about things like stem cell research, uh, the human genome sequence and cloning, there really is quite a bit of conflict and struggle between the religious sex of society and and the scientific sex, because the the religious people, they they believe that we're, we're encroaching on things that that we shouldn't be meddling with. Yeah. They, they believe that, you know, altering the dna of a fetus before it's born is something that's that's reserved exclusively for god whereas the the scientific members of society or or the more technically oriented people they would argue you know that we're doing this for the betterment of humanity and there's like a whole slew of moral dilemmas there and and like both sides feel very passionately that that they're right and that's something that we kind of wanted to weave into elysian shadows and especially because i feel like that's something that could easily be relevant in our own lives, like a decade. It, it was. I, I worked at a biotechnology research facility for almost five years, um, you know, down here in the Bible Belt in the South. And it was really interesting seeing either these really hardcore scientists, you know, from like Harvard and things like that being extremely religious. Meanwhile, like you have the exact opposite across the hall. Um, it was a very interesting environment for, for that kind of stuff. It was we, we really struggle. Like a lot, a lot of people accuse us of being like, Oh, they just made this engine. They have no idea what they're doing. Storyline wise. Like actually it began as a storyline concept and we struggle with like discussing the storyline in a manner that doesn't give too much of it away. That, that doesn't, you know, like there's a lot of fundamental plot twists and things that really need to be experienced. I feel like that, that we don't want to give away. And, and really what, what happens is that the party basically finds themselves like, thrust in between this this conflict between the two they stumble upon something that basically alters the balance and really makes people like fundamentally reevaluate the the two sides magic and technology and and that's it's just that's kind of the the rising conflict how the how the player finds themselves thrust into the main plot of the story but to, to not scare everyone away, um, one thing that you know we definitely wanted to do is uh, you know that the game scare everyone away. The game can be played without getting that deep into everything. I mean, I don't think you're going to get the full experience without really doing all the extra side quests and really kind of exploring the, these extra storylines or supplemental storylines. But you know, we, we're shooting for about forty hours from you know, point A to point B, like main story arc. But um, we chose to go with uh, like a silent protagonist kind of like um, 
you know, Chrono Trigger, what people have come to expect, like uh, Pokemon and stuff like that. Chrono. So one thing that we had to do, obviously, is in order to compensate for that was the other party members um, are very strong personalities to where uh, each party member. I mean, we even have like like this like cross reference table of like, how does this party member? Interact it with it this is one? it Things is like a that. literal, a literal matrix of, of party yes. member personality interactions. So it's actually, what, it's actually kind of sweet. So what you can do, um, like while you're playing the game, um, uh, you know, you can get kind of emotionally attached to a certain character. You're like, man, you know, I really am connecting to this guy's narrative. Like, I really wish I could know more about him. Well, hopefully you go into we, town. We do our job. Well, yes, that's yes. I and mean, then that's, yeah. So what will end up happening is you can do these side quests and kind of go off on your own with like this other party member and you can begin developing, um, his story or her story a bit more. And you get to the point where like, uh, you know, there could be like alternate dialogue and things like that. Or like this other party member character, you know, treats you a little bit differently now, um, because you have grown so much closer to this one that, you know, they don't get along with so well. Um, so Really, I, I, especially with like the, the way that the beginning storyline starts out, and the, actually the Kotaku, someone actually tried to call us out on that, and I thought that was a little funny because it's it wasn't a mistake; it was intended that they said that the main character kind of looked normal for like a fantasy game, um, and we're like, yes, because that's 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 who you're relating with. That that's kind of your conduit into the world is yeah, this character, like, and like everything else doesn't make sense or is crazy to where you're you're supposed to familiarize yourself with that, and you know you you are. Julian at that point. I mean, experiencing everything as he is. I, and I think I think one of the biggest buzz kills of like certain RPGs is this, you know, the, the goal is always to emotionally connect with the player, but like when they try to force uh, emotions of certain characters that you're not personally invested in. Like you, you really, you really don't give a shit about the plight of like this chick, oh, emo chick, like crying over here. Like I, I didn't connect with her. You know what I mean? And when they're trying to like force that connection down my throat, I'm just like, Ugh, like, there's like this cognitive dissonance in my mind. And I, I feel like the way that we want to approach side questing really is addressing that because you really get to decide which characters you do care that much about, which characters you can elaborate on. You know, we don't want to force that down your throat. And I think that's that's how we're able to like walk the fine line between like throwing the feels down your throat and, and letting you like experience it organically kind of the way that you want to experience yeah. it. So yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you guys played Fire Emblem Awakening on the Absolutely. but they do something similar where it's like you choose what characters you want to get attached oh, okay. to. That's Actually, why no, when I... you do lose them, it's like you really feel for that character. So, yeah, yeah I, I kind of like that being able oh, to that sounds Oh, that sounds terrible. You lose that's them? Prob- that's probably, yeah. That's they, they die on you or what, what happens? If they die in Fire Emblem, if you're playing, yep, they're gone. Are you yeah. shitting me? But, but in Awakening, they actually right, get I gotta play that now, like, man. Play like <laughs> casual style to where like you don't lose them, um, to where you can you know be a little bit more reckless. Or uh, Fire Fire Emblem is known for being the fun out of Fire Emblem. They're like. Oh, I, I, still, I, still, I still play the hardcore. That's actually in my 3DS right now. So. Once in a while, I'd restart, though. I'm like, no, that character is not dying. Restarting this <laughs> oh, No, I, I emotional attack to single him. <laughs> Like, I, I don't care if I have a hundred of them. Like, you know, this one guy wearing, like, a pot for a helmet. Like, I'm like, I cannot, no man's left behind. I can't leave him behind. Like, I don't lose any characters when I play Fire Emblem. That's why it takes me, like, months to beat anything. We got to add that to the list, man. Like, we, like... It's, it's on my list. I'm almost we, done we, like, as a team, or at least Tyler and I, like, we are, like, to the point where we literally can't play games anymore without just fucking dissecting them. And, like, we, oh. we like, I know it sounds weird, but, like, we play games to research them. Like, we have notebooks, and, like, we're playing them together. We're like, oh, 
I don't like what they did here. Like, oh, they fucked up doing that. Or like, oh, they did this really well. You know, it's like we're always keeping like a mental list of games that, that we need to play and like experience like that. Because like, obviously you can't make a good game if you're not a gamer. Like, absolutely. You got to know what works and what feels yeah. right. Like the best ideas on paper are not, you know, the best ideas in execution. I mean, uh, so when, when we're sitting example, on the yeah. couch all day, like gaming, dude, we're totally working on ES. It's research. Yeah, that's what I keep telling myself. Um, no, we bought like uh, the new uh, remake of uh, The Last of Us. And I didn't even make it out of the first town. I'm sitting there like looking at these water shaders. and like, dude, these are like really good. Like I'm, I'm sitting there playing with like the light and everything else around the vehicle. And they ended up bugging it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, they didn't fix that. <laughs> so and that game has some incredible incredible graphics i, oh, I can see yeah. how you'd have a hard time making it through oh, that game. Yeah. That's dude oh. like i did that with Talk did you about the play uh, did you guys play uh, a link between worlds the zelda game for 3ds uh-huh. oh yeah it's great oh dude like see actually that game was a really good influence for us um aesthetically i know i know it you seems weird because yeah they are they're 3d model based but they are actually using the same pseudo 3d 2d perspective we are so so in that sense, like graphically, that was actually a really good game to play for us. And I remember, do you guys remember the the ice temple or whatever? There was like Time, ice yeah. ruins or something. And I remember when I got in there and I saw the fucking shader effects on that ice, on those ice blocks, dude, like I was just getting my ass beaten by like the boss. I'm like, hold on, man. I want to see like, I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to like, how are they doing this? <laughs> see how the light the ice. from every angle, dude. I'm like, oh my God, I want to do that. I feel ashamed to say it, but like I like once I beat that, I was like, okay, I need to play a link to the past for Super Nintendo. I never actually beat that. And I feel so ashamed, like, oh, we're making the next gen 2D RPG. And like I will say I'm three quarters of the way through it now, but yeah, I never so yeah. I, never beat it. I, I was surprised how much those two games really lined up. Like I guess oh, yeah. kind of spoilers, but the like music and everything. Awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. It felt so familiar, like playing that on my three DS. I was like, this is just wow. Uh, yeah, I jumped in the Super Nintendo, and I was like, "Holy shit! I know where everything is. Like, this is a <laughs> world. Like, they yeah. did a they did a really good job with that." So, step us through the Kickstarter real quick because there's f- six days left. By the time this show oh. comes out, there'll be five, I think, or so. Yeah. Um, so, for those who are listening, uh, you have an opportunity to go on. So, where where can they find the Kickstarter? Where step us through the different tiers. All right. Yes. Well, you go to our website to, to find the Kickstarter, I guess. Okay. If you were looking at that, it's elysianshadows.com. There there's better a big, be a big link to the Kickstarter. Yeah, there's a big green button up in the upper right-hand corner and currently in the middle of our, like, scrolling banner that's, like, the giant thing that grease you as soon as you load the page. It's, you know, support our Kickstarter right there. Oh, so dude. Kotaku has brought over 5K today, like, in a couple hours, dude. Awesome. Yeah, that was crazy. Sorry, continue. Um, no, so uh, I guess Kickstarter, you... I guess kind of asking like what we did to prepare for it starting up or no, no, was, they're, they're yeah, asking, I mean, I guess that actual, too, but also the, the different campaign itself. The campaign so, itself yeah. Right, both. So, okay. So we'll start with like probably the pledges make the most sense. So we have the obligatory $1 and $5 tiers, which are basically like just, you know, you don't really give a shit about the game, but you like us. So for $1, basically we'll say, thank you for $5. You get the feels, which is a, an email that we're saying where we're pouring our hearts and souls to you and we're really saying thank you <laughs> after you pass that for $15 that's when you get to um, that's when you First get the digital, digital right that's the digital copies of ES that's for Steam which includes Windows Mac Linux and Ouya so you can go ahead and back for those right now 
Um, we have, so real quick, let me, let me so say that also we, includes the digital instruction manual. Um, with that. That, it, that includes digital instruction manual, uh, HD wallpapers. And, uh, oh yeah. Another thing that we wanted to do is we speaking, which somehow we got criticized for this. Uh, if you back us on Kickstarter as like an incentive to like, you know, back us on Kickstarter, um, everyone who backs us on Kickstarter gets to start off with uh, an exclusive sword that was basically inspired by the Legend of Zelda Master Sword. So a little bit to, of an extra helping hand. Start off, you get to start off like a little bit more badass. It's not obviously it's not game breaking or anything like that. But yeah, you're a little you're a little bit more epic if you back us on Kickstarter when you begin. Um, oh, I also wanted to say so initially we're coming out for um, Ouya. Uh, Dreamcast, and then for Steam, uh, Linux, Windows, Mac. So we're doing the Ouya Free the Games uh, fund, which basically oh, yeah. means that now that we've been funded for 150k, Ouya will double that fund. So basically, we actually just made 300k there. In exchange for that, we have to give them six months of exclusivity uh, before we release on other platforms, but. That does not include Steam, so all of the, the PC stuff is fine. And we talked the Ouya guys into still letting us release for the Dreamcast. Like, they decided that wasn't a conflict of interest, and they made an exception for us, which was... It was really cool of them. We're actually the, the highest... The day we asked that of them on Skype, like, the guy just got quiet for a second. He's like... I know, I know. I think so we can work something out. We're like, <laughs> he was like, are the like, Dreamcast? This period of exclusivity, what about the Dreamcast? He's like... What the fuck? I don't. I don't. I don't know. Let yeah, me go ask somebody. Yeah. You know, funny. Realistically, though, honestly, if anything, it will bring. It, it should bring more attention to them. I think. So too. I would and, think. Right. I think so too. And another thing, like for people who are like, "Oh man, you guys are selling out doing this Ouya thing." First of all, those funds like are extremely helpful for us. Like it's it's going to take a lot of work to develop this game. And for the stretch goals, we do have pretty much every platform under the sun: PlayStation Four. Uh, Xbox One, Wii U, PS Vita, and 3DS, those would already have to come out later anyway because there would be more R&D time. So basically, if we hit those stretch goals during that six months of exclusivity, that's when we're going to work on migrating the engine over there, which we would have had to have done anyway. So basically, like, the, the whole really period of exclusivity, yeah, nothing really changed for us. We just get, you know, 150 grand. So it was really in our best interest. So uh, once, if... Please, God, if we actually hit the stretch goals for uh, bringing ES to like the uh, that handhelds and the current gen platforms, then we'll yeah, add one on my 3DS. But yeah, currently the $15 one is for uh, Steam and Ouya. Then um, uh, up from that, we had the, the $20 pledge, which uh, is everything, of course, the $15 one is. You get the digital copy of your choice, um, starting sword, but we actually put together what we call like the adventurer pack um, to where instead of the spend every like little dollar you got or go out and grind a little bit before you can really approach the main uh first main dungeon um we threw some like hp potions mp potions uh starting piece of armor and everything so you can kind of really start out and just really dive right into the game well and actually actually you're getting the the amulet coin accessory which actually increases that, yeah. yeah it increases the it's amount of drops, which is a kickstarter exclusive which is actually pretty badass like we did actually we did actually pimp that out. It's like the, what was it? Pokemon that had the amulet coin? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that Pokemon? There's a couple other ones that, uh, that, that did that kind of like monetary game where it's not game breaking, but it definitely kind of gives you that edge and you may not have to grind as much if, if you know, you didn't need the experience necessarily. So, right. 
So for twenty five dollars and up, let me let me say real quick. Like, wait, hold have, on here. I gotta stop sorry, you a second. Sorry. Hold on. Oh, he read something he didn't like. No, this. you know what? You guys have thirty fucking tears. Yes. Oh yeah, I know, dude. Okay, so in interest of time, we can't go through every tier. So, I do. A couple of them are saying yeah. <laughs> we weren't thinking. All right, so, so, so just hit the highlights because we'll be yeah, here for right. four days. <laughs> so basically, here's here's the rundown. Like uh, the Dreamcast version is physical only. It comes in at forty nine dollars, and and as we said before, you get to pick your region. So it, it's it's authentic whether your pal. Uh, U.S. or Japanese, they've literally created the different uh, jewel case molds and art styles and shit packaging. So it looks like it's authentic for whichever region you're in. Um, we have a we have a lot of people on YouTube who've been following us like very intimately with the project and and seen a lot of behind the scenes stuff. That's so a lot weird. of them. A lot of them are interested. You'll see, like, some of the stuff we're giving away are, is a digital art booklet, which is kind of something that the artists are keeping for concept art to pixel art uh basically like i don't know what to say transformations a lot of concept art a lot of pixel art basically it's like it's like their development diaries for the the artist those will be available digitally and then the actual design doc this thing is a beast this is basically like the the heart (laughs) the heart and soul of es it's just this gigantic google doc that we all have access to and we all like pitch in and contribute to and it's it's a work of art man it shows like all of like the the background uh influences of es a lot of games that inspired the, us. the cultures i mean it's got examples of everything from you know personality types comparing them to like modern day movie stars or something like that all the way down to like mannerisms of these characters you know things like that it's highly detailed like so that's hmm. that's what that is that's included in one of the tiers beyond that the uh the soundtrack will be available digitally and if you get the limited edition it will be available uh physically it's included physically for limited edition and actually a soundtrack is kind of cool too because like i said the the audio engine is dynamic and one thing connor wanted to do because apparently oh, he's a, apparently he's a he wants songs. it to be a 10 disc like soundtrack <laughs> he, he wants to have like all of the different uh i don't know what to call it intensity levels of each track you know as as he adds the different instruments and stuff on there so that's it's gonna be massive but it'll be cool. Uh, let's see. So like I said, 49, okay. So 49 is the dreamcast physical, but we also wanted to, to, for, for the PC collectors too, for all of the, the dreamcast collecting physical, uh, physical rewards there's a an equivalent pc version which there you is go jason basically. yeah very nice yeah. right yeah so so for collecting in that perspective you know we didn't want to just oh you have to buy the dreamcast version though so basically you get you get the same treatment for pc if you wanted to do that for those tiers and for the uh the limited edition yeah, um another tier after that actually this is thanks to the guys at watermelon they have uh I don't know where they got him, man. They have some really talented guys that make a full strategy guide and walkthrough. That's like color. It's it's printed. It's physical. So that like is Prima Games, you know, right? That's an indie strategy guide. And like they dissect every creature, get their stats. Like I don't know. I guess we give them our source code or something, and they figure out every permutation of like every attack <laughs> that luck. we've developed in the game. Right. So that's available too, and that's actually really cool. We saw we saw what it looked like with. Uh, Piercelar HD. Um, $80 or more is when you get access to our private development forum. Basically, you're uh, you're an early backer and you get early beta access. Um, and that also includes early beta access for the toolkit and engine. Some people right. were asking about that. That goes hand in hand with that. 
Right. And then, and then beyond that, like I said, we're really big on YouTube and that's really what, what got us to where we are now. And that's really why we've been so successful on Kickstarter is, is because we have a massive YouTube following. Um, so as part of that, uh, we're creating, uh, we're taking all of our YouTube videos, which basically shows like behind the scenes ES from its inception to its completion. And we're going to continue this series. Like as we're doing this, this Kickstarter campaign, like for the next year and a half till we release the game, we're going to be releasing that on DVD. So basically like you can watch the entire or project. Blu-ray. We got to work out semantics. On yeah. Or Blu-ray. I'm not sure which one or, or 20 both. DVDs is probably more. Way more. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your YouTube channel? Uh, youtube.com slash gyrovorbis just search adventures in game development that's a lot easier than spelling gyrovorbis yeah okay we'll put a link there too on the show awesome. link awesome. So. well awesome I mean yeah you guys are reaching your goals I've been watching it and you guys are earning money as we speak so that's pretty exciting are we yes. still yeah, yeah. still making money. still going man. so as of recording this you guys uh, right now it's six days to go this episode will probably be out another day or two hopefully um and so you'll have a few days to get in there and we definitely encourage everyone to check it out because uh, yeah this is i mean this is fantastic so congrats guys on that thanks guys i really appreciate it what kind of advice do you have for those who are looking to maybe make their own game oh my god oh oh my god i could talk don't be as crazy as we were (laughs) Uh, do you do you you mean like kickstarter specific or just Uh, just in general i mean okay i've done done a kickstarter and i think i know jason's done a kickstarter before we've done kind of kickstarters they are they are like they're they're a predicament man what what people don't realize though is kickstarter takes a lot of money on their end too you know, oh, so just just because you're Amazon. Amazon, yeah, Amazon, right? So oh, it's yeah, just man. because you're making all this money. I mean, there's a lot of time. You guys talked about yourself, a lot of time and development. Uh, just the physical copies themselves, the print costs, the shipping costs. I mean, there's all that involved. So you also you don't, have get, like you a, don't get anywhere near that much money, right? right? No, you have no. a working percentage of like how many cards would either overdraft or decline, or just uh, people cancel at like the last oh, minute. So too. many, so many. So you you finally get all the way up to this point. You're like, yes, we hit this goal. Like we kind of barely scraped by, and then you know Amazon gets their five to eight percent, and Kickstarter gets theirs, and then you know ten percent of people overdraft or don't come through, and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But to answer the actual question, uh, I, I just think the, the most important thing I could say is, is really just don't give up, dude. Like it's there's a lot of work required to make an indie game, especially a lot of work to make a good one. Like there's a good reason everyone out there doesn't become an indie game developer rock star. There's a good reason. There's a lot of really talented people out there. And a lot of them just have a bunch of really cool tech demos or unfinished projects just like keep your head down and try to stay focused. And, and one of the things that's really like worked for me personally as, as a developer is I've, I've always found ways to make Elysian shadows grow with me, like emotionally yeah. as I, as I like have aged as a developer and have become better. Like I've been able to like, basically like all of my graduate school projects for my masters always wind up in Elysian shadows. Like I, I was working on like some GPU simulators and I had to make like a, I was basically running a collision algorithm on the GPU and I was like, uh, uh, guess what this is going to be for. So basically I'm working on ES in class. Basically just, just find a way, you know, if you have all these ideas that like, Oh, this would be cool for the next game, the next game, why don't you work them into your current game? You know, like I feel like there's a lot of developer ADHD out there and that people are are so so fake. Like, 
to, to abandon a project and move on to the next one, you have to be able to, to make your project grow with you because yeah, it takes a lot of time. And you know, if you're not completely emotionally invested, you won't be able to see it through to the finish. I mean, you know, at one point, you know, we could have stopped and been like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's do this. This is the state of the game. So we're going to do, you know, there's no lights, no particles. And, you know, we, we could have made a game there, but that would not have been Elysian shadows. Um, and it's just not the same for us. I mean, one, one of the big things, I guess, to, to answer that question myself, um, to try to avoid burnout that way. Um, I really, especially working with like AI and stuff like that. Like I find different ways to, to challenge myself to where it's not uh, difficult or it's not a burden to try to like uh, do like pathfinding or something like that. Like, you know, I've been sitting here working on like these torch effects for like a week straight trying to get this fire just right. I'm like, you know what? It's good enough for now. Like, let me do something just completely different and just come at it from a different angle um, to where the game does stay fresh and new to me. Cause at any given point, there's like two dozen different things I can be working on. So if I do get tired of like, you know, this water fountain effect here or something like that, I, I can easily just move on to something else that, that will hold my attention and, and don't push yourself because you're not going to be able to be 110% all of the time. Um, I mean, at one point, pretty much this whole year leading up to June, you know, we were working nine to five jobs, eight to five jobs, Monday through Friday, and then trying to get to the point where we could say, hey, we can quit our job and do this Kickstarter. We would stay up like every weekend. Like I didn't sleep on a Friday night since like the beginning of the year. And it got to a point where something had to give and I refused to give up on the game. So I quit my job. <laughs> um, that's a big step that but, is uh, huge could, yeah yeah good yeah. for you guys though so yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> I'm not saying do that yeah I'm not saying do that it's, we're, we're crazy Pe- people are that. like you guys are retarded and basically I'm like yeah I know I know I agree <laughs> are you guys married oh we met no no that's that's why we could do it man it's, I was gonna say like, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's the thing I was like you know I'm still single I'm still free like now's the time if I'm ever gonna do something this audacious or like this risky with on. my entire life you know it has to be now so yeah that's, that was yeah. one of the things too that pushed me paid yeah. my house up for a couple months in my car and I was like all right let's do this I got credit cards you can figure it out there you go <laughs> so many credit cards <laughs> Well, right on, guys. Well, we appreciate you uh, being on the show. And uh, anything else you guys want to plug or mention? Uh, I think that's about it. I, I would really, really encourage people to check out Adventures in Game Development because I, I feel like really that's where that's honestly like why we were successfully funded. That's where people really get to see behind the scenes of what Elysian Shadows looks like, what goes into creating a game, and like that's really, it's really what's gotten us where we are now. So I would just encourage people to check that out. So yeah, that was cool. Good, bunch of good guys, huh? Yeah, awesome. Their project is, you know, making tons of money right now. I mean, it, yeah, even as we're sitting here recording, I'm watching it go up. So that's that's awesome. Good for them. I mean, they put the time into it. You know, you can tell by the quality of work from what they show and what they've talked about. So very inspiring. It's pretty awesome. Definitely. So it's always exciting to see a new homebrew RPG too. Like they said, like a yeah. lot of. A lot of games these days are platformers and like ones that come to the consoles, I should say, like Dreamcast. Uh, like, they platformers. Yeah. So. This game is coming out December 15th, I think, December of 2015, I think, to clarify. So a little ways away. Mm-hmm. But, but very, very cool. Um, so, Pete, how you been, man? Well, I've been pretty good, I guess you can say. I've been pumping out some YouTube videos before I go back to college. So I see that. I yeah. I might as well get that. it out of the way now while I still can, you know, totally see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Pax is around the corner. 
this weekend. I'm heading up there. Wow, for it's that. this weekend so, already. God, yeah, so I'm, I'm heading there Thursday. Um, you know, I'm excited to see Fallout Four. Or not Fallout Four. Um, <laughs> I'm like Far Cry. <laughs> My bad. Far Cry. The new Far Cry. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, you have to let me know what, you th- what it looks like, man. That anyway, I hope Ubisoft has something. On it. it should. And uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll have something. I know Dennis, uh, Destiny comes out soon, so hopefully um, they'll have something on that too. The crew beta round two is tomorrow. Oh yeah, for five is it days. Too late to sign up for that? No, you can still do it. Go sign up, man. I am, I am there with bells on. Well, the problem is, like tomorrow is when I start getting super busy. Oh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and then then they op- they also opened up, I think, beta four consoles for Xbox One and PS4 as well, which is cool. So people who are on the consoles can uh, check it out as well. But yeah, I'm so excited, man. I haven't I actually I haven't been this excited for a game in a long time. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching you stream it, I mean, I know we've talked about the game in the past already, but it seems like a game that's like right up your alley, you know? It's honestly, it's like perfect. It's it it, it has everything that I love in in a game. Good action, racing. It has the ability to upgrades and some of the you know RPG elements there, MMO type stuff, open world, crew with friends, get together. The question should be, will it be? Car Mechanic Simulator for Game of the Year. Oh my god. It's probably going to beat it, Pete. <laughs> it's probably going to beat out Car Mechanic Simulator. So now you won't be the only person in the gaming world that makes Car Mechanic Simulator your number one game. Right. It's disappointing. <laughs> hey, whatever happened to that that uh, Sega-like style racing game that you funded on Kickstarter? Dude, that guy's like MIA. Really? People have been That's posting so for months and he like updated a while ago, but then nothing. And it's been it's been honestly like two years. Two years. I think he got overwhelmed, honestly. Yeah. It's a one man project, right? And like I think it two he has man. to create billboards and yeah. shit to put in the game for people like it because you know, there was a lot of user created stuff that he was allowing through the the goals man that sucks because yeah. that game looks so good my logo should be in there <laughs> you know that's, yeah that's, that's right it's one of the tiers that that i did so um yeah should you have to pledge for that 20 40 100? um shit i don't even remember i think it was 80 or 100 i think yeah so that ain't no you know yeah i mean better I, fucking come out yeah that's what i'm saying exactly it's like wow what has happened here and people are just they're really upset about it and i understand it it's the lack of communication you know it's funny because uh, i checked my kickstarter today because i'm like oh shit i totally forgot that i funded this game about a year over a year and a half ago um cryomore it's like this action rpg that looked freaking amazing but i checked it was funded in february of last year mm-hmm. so and their updates have been very sporadic they're assuring everybody you know they're still working on it which i believe them but see, that's the problem with kickstarter like you fund these games, you put like a hundred dollars and I think I funded that game for like a hundred or something. They get the collector's edition and you're waiting upwards of like two years. It doesn't even seem like they're that close to release. So I'm just, um, I'm just actually looking it up because I'm curious now. Oh, it was 80. Yeah, it was 80, $80 for that. When was his last update? Uh, update. Let's see. And what's the name of this game? Just so it's the nineties arcade racer. It's, it was, it's produced by a guy named, pelican 13 he's in greece hmm. um let's see update oh actually oh fuck 
I stand corrected. On the 19th, <laughs> July 19th, was his last update. So that's, man, it was honestly like months there. Um, he says just briefly that this is not a game update. One will be coming soon. It's about, a, uh, oh my God. He's promoting another Kickstarter. Oh my God. Really? His Kickstarter. Oh my God! Is- he posted an update. He posted an update on his this. page saying, "This is not a game update. One will be coming soon. This is another Kickstarter by Sean Paul. You can find out details here. Sean Paul is a passionate supporter of the '90s arcade race. Oh my God! I'm. Mm. Don't throw yourself to the wolves, dude. Don't do that. Oh, and in May. Oh, only you can see this update, by the way, because it's for backers only. I can't see it. Oh, right. It is. Oh, How wow. much did he raise again? Um, 16,000 out of the 10,000. Okay. So, well, it looks like he is updating here and there. He, he did one in May. So every couple of months, it looks like now. It's just good because he was MIA for months. Hmm. So we're good. He's okay. Yeah, there's screenshots. Oh, the screenshots in here. he's placed it, posting that are pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, damn, those looking good. Well, good. I'm excited that he's 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 back and posting, so it's not dead. That's the big thing. That's the scary thing about Kickstarter, though. You don't you know you don't know. Like sometimes they put a completion date and then they just it gets pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and you know once someone gets their money, you know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Game of the year, Pete. It's going to be for you, Hearthstone. No. I already know what my game of the year is, but I'm not going to say it. Really? I've known for a long time. You're going to hold off until later this year or what? Yep. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'll just say that people will need a lot of tissues, so get them ready. Really? Why is it like a tissues? Because I can't. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. That's funny. Well, I wanted to share with you guys real quick, if I can. Um, so I'm working on. We're working on a new IP to uh, collector vision for a super Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. And I have this plot. I wanted to kind of came up with, I want to share with you guys and get your thoughts about the story about this game. Okay. So what JF, the guy who my partner in crime there at collector vision games, he reached, he reached out to me. He's like, I want to do a new game for the super Nintendo. And all he gave me was, I want it to be a night game. But obviously we don't want to rip off like other games like that. What's the other night game that just came out. We just talked about it. Like, I'm drawing a blank on it. But- night, night trap. <laughs> <laughs> no, the night, yeah, dude. I, I can't think of it. The night game that's on Steam and shit that we just played. Oh, oh, oh. Um, fucking shovel night. Shovel night. Thank you. So mm-hmm. obviously we we don't want to rip off that. We don't want to rip off other night games. So he just basically approached me. He's like, John, come up with a story for a night game. So I'm gonna read you the plot. Let me know what you guys think, honestly. Okay. Okay. So the story, the, the title of the game is gonna be called A Night's Tale, but the tale is spelled T A I L, like a like a tale that you would have on uh, like an animal tale. Okay. So here, here's a plot. Here's a premise. So you play as Sir Maximilian Game a lot, and he's in the wedding day with his, and he's about to marry this Princess Plum. Okay, it's a pun on Princess Peach. Okay, <laughs> when all of a sudden an evil witch Blackbottom arrives to these festivities and foils wedding plans, the evil witch is jealous of Daphne, uh, Princess Daphne, so she turns her into an evil creature. The beginning of the game will be an epic battle between Sir Gamelot and evil witch, which at the end uh, battle the witch flies away, taking the princess creature with her. Before leaving, though, Sir Gamelot manages to cut off uh, one of Evil Witch's fingers, leaving a magic ring. Uh, Sir Gamelot is devastated by this, that his beloved Daphne, Princess Daphne, his bride-to-be, is a hideous monster, mm. and he must now go and save her. In order to do this, he discovers that there are eight special ingredients hidden throughout the kingdom that he needs to collect in order to remedy the cure. 
He also discovers that the magic ring that he discovered from the witch can transform it into a werewolf, temporary turning uh, during battle. The goal for, for uh, Sir Max, Max, Sir Gamelot is to uh, pass all eight stages, which he can he can do in order, uh, just like in a lot of Capcom games, you, know, you can pick the stages you want first. Uh, and uh, he wants to obviously save his girlfriend, his, his fiance. So once he's collected all the items, he goes into battle with. Uh, for every at the end of every stage, he gets uh, there's a boss, and each boss has like a power ability, and he can actually take this ability with him to use on later stages, just like. Uh, and Mega Man, for example. Okay, so uh, basically, at the end of the game, he meets meets up with uh, with this princess, uh, you know, Princess Daphne. She's a monster, and uh, they have a huge epic battle. And uh, the the witch, you have to fight the witch at the end. And the witch, basically, this this the witch opens up this teleport, this this weird kind of warp stage, and she leaves. But in doing so, it sucks you and Princess Daphne into this this wormhole. And they wake up to like a dinosaur prehistoric stage to be continued at the end of the game, right? So kind of to allude to the next stage. But what's cool is there's going to be like jowls and knives and swords and axes and kind of like Alter Beast. You can actually use your ability to change into werewolves and use special abilities. But when you're used, when you're this werewolf, you only have a melee attack. So you can be faster, you can jump higher, but you can't use all these weapons. So that's kind of the, the plot so far. It's to be determined as far as what's going to change, but... I want to kind of keep you guys updated. So, like, cool. what's the what's the style? Like, is it a side scroller or like it's a, a beat side scroller? Yeah, it's a platforming game. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Nice with like elements of. Sounds it's like gonna have kind of Castlevania slash Mega Man slash yeah with whole, Alter Beast mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. style gameplay. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, I like it. I like. Thanks, it. man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> so, should come out uh, next year. And that's going to be for Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Nice. And, uh, game Boy Advance. Oh. oh, GBA. GBA. Nice. Wait, wait, Super Nintendo and Game Boy Advance? Yep. Yep. Because oh, the program awesome. we have, the programmer we have uh, actually can program for both. So it'll be for both. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, because they're kind hard of, to, kind of uh, hard to read because I kept getting these back and forth boop, 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 from uh, <laughs> from Skype and I was like just getting distracted. But anyway, it's all good. You got uh, it's previous. Anyway, go ahead, guys. What were you saying? No, I like it. I think it sounds yeah. good. Yeah, I, I like the uh, I like the hybridness of it. Yeah, it would be cool. It'd be cool. I'm excited for it. So we'll, we'll see. We'll keep us updated because uh, Man, I'm all over that it must, shit. It must always feel like Christmas morning for you, John. Like every time you release one of these games, like it just must be so exciting just the lead up to that point. It, it's it's cool, and like I'm excited for like because we have a really cool graphic guy who's on our team. He's really really talented. He's got like a really incredible history of working on games for certain platformers like X, you know, for Game Boy Advance. And so he does all the sprites and he's just a brilliant guy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely exciting. Definitely. So, so yeah, I want to share it with you guys. We'll keep you guys posted obviously on how that goes and all that good stuff. So be in line for that shit. Be Sounds good. For that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have an audio question? Yes, we do. And also, guys, if you want to send audio questions, please do so. Record yourself and send them over to contact at allgengamers.com, and uh, we can get around to getting them played. Um, I know we actually have... um we have kind of a trivia one early, uh, that came in a while ago from Cartridge Brothers that uh, we'll wait for MJR to return so he can participate as well. But um, just letting you guys know that that came through, too, and we love that. Um, um, we love playing those, too. got to find it here. Can I re-download it? Oh, great. <laughs> 
Alright, here it's we go. Jason Heine, always prepared. Always prepared. Hi there, all gen gamers. Prehistoric cow here. And I have a little friend with me. The AGG whale. Say hi, whale. We met at a SeaWorld a couple months ago and really hit it off. Anyways, our question for you guys is, if you could take one game and take it into a different genre, what game would it be and what genre would it be? We choose the Endless Ocean series and make it a dating sim. Anyways, love the show as always, guys. And Pete, the whale misses you. Why don't you come over here and have a bit of fun with us? Anyways, have a good one, guys. I'm going to go eat some fish. Nice. Imagine the new listeners that have no idea what the hell just happened. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like, what the hell was that? Got him the AGG whale. That's freaking hilarious. What Love. are we listening to? So what genre of game would we like to turn into a different genre? Basically? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, I think I know. I'll go first, I guess, so you guys have time to think. Sure. I just like I just look straight ahead and this game was right in front of me, so I figured why not. Zombies ate my neighbors. Genesis version, of course, because the music's better. Turn that shit into an RPG. Because the mm. levels are already sort of like a labyrinth in some way. Like they, the levels can already fit an RPG. So instead of playing it like an action game where you're just like shooting stuff, make it random encounters and actually have um, maybe a third party member because there's only two characters in the game. Get that third party member in there for a turn based RPG and Zombies ate my neighbors. Mm. Man, make a mod for that. Just keep the game as is. And just turn, make some turn-based combat. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, because I mean, the game would work as an RPG. Yeah, the way it's yeah. set up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, maybe it's already out there. Who knows? <laughs> I would love to see like a Donkey Kong Country RPG. Oh, you fucker! <laughs> no shit. I can't really? You that said was your that. Choice? Really? I cannot believe you said that. You yeah. knew that you were going to say it, Jason. That's why I took it. Oh my god. Okay. It's sorry, John. Now go ahead, John. Finish, finish. That's now it's great. No, <laughs> I, just, I think it would work really well. I just kind of picture like a Mario RPG, but like with Donkey Kong, and like use those those sprites and stuff. It'd be awesome. Yeah, like but make it look just like it did back in you know '95, like old sure. school. Yeah, yeah. Like the magic time. Like it, you're yeah, about. yeah. The magic. The magic. Um. Fuck. Well, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to do like a beat 'em up, but they already did that. It's called Smash Brothers. You yeah. Know? Um, fighter. Yeah. But. Yeah. <sighs> Shit, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. Well, hold on. We'll help you figure something out. How about like some kind of racer? Like, what well, because here's the thing, because that's just been done. Like, I've been for years wanting always this like open world game where you can connect with your friends and do missions and have fun and explore and this. And it's it's coming out. It's called Burnout Paradise. It's called The Crew. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that's that's been done. Um, How about Killer Instinct Racer? <laughs> Killer Instinct cartons. The cart racing. The cart racing. Yeah, cart here's racing. my answer. I don't give a shit what the game is, but make it a cart racer. Cart racer. <laughs> With Killer Instinct. The Chrono okay. Trigger cart racing. Yeah. You have the levels like different stages for the game too, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. It could work. It could. <laughs> you know, I, honestly though, I, I would like a good like a, a good proper like beat 'em up of some sort. You know, I mean what would be a good game to to move over into like a a beat 'em up style, you know, like like a Battletoad style, you know. That's something I'm thinking about. I don't know what game though. Well, Killer Instinct could work. Yeah, see, that could work. Yeah, yeah. From an actual just fighter to a, a beat 'em up. 
even a Mario like beat endlessly up. combo every single enemy. You come across. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no Mario beat em up, right? I was just thinking that I was gonna say yeah, that, but, but then but I'm like, Smash Brothers is kind of yeah, like because some of the single player stuff in there is sort of like that, but not like traditional like side scrolling, like a enemy. Final Fight kind of style, like Battle yeah. yeah, like yeah, Final Fight. Hmm. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Good question, though. Thank you for, for asking that. And so contact at allgengamers.com if you guys want to send them over there, and we will get around to answering them. I have a question from our forums. Let's do it. Okay, so if you guys want to ask uh, ask a question, you can, of course, allgengamers.com. There's a link on there. Or you can go to pizzagameroomforums.com. So um, this is from Virac, and he asks, if there are any game game series or console etc that you'd previously disliked or avoided in the past but have since come to appreciate is there basically is there any game that we've come to appreciate in the past that we didn't i asked because during the last generation i was pretty much solely a 360 guy and neglected the ps3 uh to a fair extent however now i've come to find that there are some great games on that console and i'm enjoying the new experience a lot so good question so i mean is there basically any console that we didn't like before that we we kind of grown to appreciate now or even not even console. I think he was asking like game or game series. Yeah. yeah game series. Which console, is even more yeah. difficult for me. I don't know. I mean, honestly, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the Wii when it came out. They're not of the Wii U, but just the Wii in general. And I'm starting to really appreciate it now. I mean, there, there's some really good games for the Wii. There's a lot of good games that aren't so good for the Wii, but there's some good games for the Wii that I've really, uh, grown to appreciate for sure. So, I mean, there wasn't a system that I ever disliked. Actually, no, I have the answer. I have the answer because I'm staring at it right now. Uh, Skylanders, when that shit first came out, I said to myself, no way in hell am I ever buying that because they had no multiplayer. I'm like, why am I ever going to like buy these figures? They're so expensive. And then for some reason, I caved and bought the last, uh, the Swap Force series and found out that Skylanders is actually pretty freaking fun. I mean, maybe because I was excited because it was on, you know, the Xbox One and it was all flashy and looked really good. But I don't know. Like, I had this complete turnaround on the Skylander series. I used to be Mm. really against it and then kind of fell in love with it for a month or two. Right on. Hmm. Good answer. Good answer. Jason Heihe. Skyrim. <laughs> if if the question was the other way around, then yes, no. Oh shit, no. But I know I just mentioned it. But honestly, when I first played the original Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo sixty four, I hated it. Mm. It was like I don't know. I don't know if it was like the pacing or the hit boxes or or what on the game. I just I didn't get it. It didn't make any sense to me, and I just thought this is this is. It was a it was a different kind of fighting what, game. What a great sure. concept! I remember watching the intro, thinking to myself, "Yes, <laughs> big boy pants. We're actually going to kick the shit out of Nintendo characters." I thought this is the best <laughs> concept ever, and then I played it, and I, I just didn't get it. It didn't. I didn't understand it. So, I actually walked away from that one, and then when it came out for GameCube, uh, Melee. I, I really I fell back in love with it. But of course it was a different game back then. I mean similar concept and everything, but just a much much better game on the GameCube, I thought. So that would be one that really stands out for me. Good stuff. Yes, sir. Good question. Thank you for answering that and asking that. We appreciate that. Do you have any questions? Reforms you sissy? I'm not even on there. I'm not even on there. Um, Just make sure it's not from two years ago. 
Who knows? The person might still be listening, though. Okay, here's one by X. Just uh, basically the letter X. Do you guys hope in the future that there will be a compilation disc of Xbox Live, Arcade, PSN, WiiWare games? What games would you be would would be on these this, these compilations? It seems a shame that once these devices uh, services get shut off, people could be deprived of so many titles. Oh, and they will be. Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, they've already made some of the greatest hits or like compilation I know on Xbox 360. They did quite a few of those and. <sighs> I, I think that's know. a great idea to do. Like a huge compilation, like sort of like the ultimate Sega Genesis collection or whatever the hell they call it. Sega's, whatever that, you know, that Genesis compilation I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. The ultimate Genesis collection or mm-hmm. something. Like something like that, but maybe like twofold, like double the amount of games. That might be pretty cool. But of course, you know, they release something like that for $20 and you'll feel kind of burnt after you spend, you know, $10, $15 on some of the best games that are out on Xbox Live. You know, to be honest, I, I don't really even download many Xbox Live arcade games anymore. I can't even remember the last one I bought. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I used to buy a lot of them back in the day. So I'm sure there's a lot of great games released on that. But it used to be fun back when they released one a week. And it was sort of like, oh, okay, I either want to buy this game or I don't. And they were $5. But then when they started releasing like two, three a week, 10 15 $20 games on Xbox Live arcade, I was just done. You know, because it used to be fun. You know, you pick up a game for five bucks, and some of them were like really indie and unknown. And you go online and you play them online, and you'd be playing with like the developers, which happened to me a few times because so few people freaking bought the games that you'd be playing online with the with the developers on release day. You know, that was fun. It's not the same anymore to me. Yeah, it's definitely a different uh, world out there with that. There are so many games out there, and it's hard. Some get lost, and some really good games get lost in the shuffle. Unfortunately, I think was you know. Like you said, Pete, they've just released so many out there, you know. Do you guys know if the um, the indie, like what are they, whatever they called that on the Xbox 360, I know it went through a few name changes, where we played uh, fucking Laggy Pong, Jason. Does that even still exist on Xbox Live? I, I think so, yeah. Like that the, marketplace to download indie I games? I thought it was the, the called the Indie Arcade or something. I don't know. They, they've changed, or Community. I don't yeah. know. They changed the name on it a few times. Mm-hmm. I'd be kind of surprised to... To look on there and see what the what kind of games are still being released on there. I played some decent games on that. I have to say, mm-hmm. I actually played an MMO on there once where you can use your 360 avatars, and there were quite a few people playing that. And the funny thing is, it kind of mimicked Final Fantasy XI, so it was it was kind of fun for a couple of days. Wow, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The graphics were decent though. Like it was. No, nah, they were garbage. <laughs> but it was kind of fun to play a freaking indie mmo on 360 with my xbox friends yeah uh, with my avatars on 360 i i think a couple of i was streaming it a long time ago and a couple of people picked it up because it was like a dollar hmm. so shout out to like comeback kid i think he freaking downloaded i don't know there were a few people that downloaded it with me we had fun for a day it's all about that laggy pong you know that video is still on my Twitch, which is probably going to be deleted. Mm-hmm. Because Twitch yeah. is going to delete you the archives. So, so Jason, tell me. You, you mentioned this the other day about Twitch. Like they got rid of Justin TV. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. It's gone. That's crazy. Yeah, they kind of like uh, quietly pulled the plug on that one while they rolled out all these new um, <laughs> quote unquote features on Twitch. It's um. I don't know, man. Twitch, it's crazy out there what they're doing with it. You know, they're they're getting to a level to where I don't know, they're they're being audited or you know, the big the big hand of uh copyright content and music and games and 
they're not trying to they're trying to get rid of you know footage that they've stored there for a while and i don't know it's all things go through this right you know we google bought youtube and for what the first year two years fucked it up Mm. so google did buy twitch and so far it hasn't been going all that well i'm worried about it i mean that is the number one platform for live streaming game content so i don't know but it yeah, almost Justin has a monopoly TV is in gone. a way. Like there's there's really no other conceivable. Like there's Ustream and all and Hitbox TV is sort of like up and coming, but if you're gonna stream games, you're doing it on Twitch. Like if you want viewers, you're doing it on Twitch. There's no question about it. Yeah, this that's the big gun. You, you called it though, Jason. You said you, Google was gonna fuck this shit up and they're fucking it up. Mm-hmm. And then Pete nailed it too, Monopoly. I mean, what the fuck are we gonna do when I go to Walmart, which is owned by Google, and buy a set a pack of toilet paper to wipe my ass, which is owned by Google. <laughs> you know, think about it. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, one billion dollars. One billion is what they paid for Twitch. See, I, I thought they just bought Twitch. I didn't realize they bought Justin TV as well. I thought that was still going to be separate, but apparently they. And Justin took his money and ran. Yeah, like I don't know the <laughs> details because up until the buyout, the person that was in charge and owned, still owner of Twitch and Justin TV, was the original creator, Justin, whatever his name is. I think his last name's TV. <laughs> <laughs> but and so he owned both, and so I don't know if he took the one billion and then just said, "Well, fuck Justin TV, close it, I'm done," you know, mm-hmm. which all could have happened, or maybe Google bought both and shut one down. I don't know. But all I know is, man, I remember back in the day watching like just crazy webcam videos in San Francisco on Justin yeah, TV. Yeah, I used to do the same thing when that shit watching, first started. Just waiting for car crashes back, to happen. Back when Justin TV was exclusive and you couldn't just make a channel, you'd have to like get permission from them to be on there. Yeah, you had to apply for it. Oh yeah. my God, man. You were there too. And like, okay, no, I was there from the start. Like back when, okay, on the top of the site trying to remember like they'd have little thumbnails for every live yes every live show and you'd have to click on the different thumbnails up top like those were the days i love yeah like the the the, the most fun streams were the people that would wear like wireless cameras on their head and like walk around the city and shit like Mm -hmm. it, uh, it was it was so weird the weirdest live stream i've ever seen or like apparently some people did like the 24 7 live streams or they call them live streams and they would still keep a webcam on them with night vision when they were sleeping and there'd be like hundreds of people in there watching them pretty uh, fucking creepy yeah it was really creepy yeah the people would just leave it up in their house all day long that's that's weird yeah yeah the one that i i left up all the time i'm i'm a, i'm guilty of it i mean I, it was an intersection in san francisco downtown san francisco oh, i think i saw that yeah. and basically and all the highlights were like of crashes or people getting in fights <laughs> or people throwing up or you know crazy shit that happened at this four-way intersection and i would just sit there like a fucking gnome and watch to wait for a car crasher you hear skid marks i'd run into the computer like oh my god <laughs> is the crash gonna happen no that was justin tv man that is my memory of it i will always hold that it, it was so awesome and you know i started on justin tv like when i would stream games and like do my yeah, uh, hundred like my subscriber special it was on justin tv like i was one of the first people on justin that would talk about gaming content or stream games on there and it was very small back then and mm-hmm. it's incredible to see where it's grown yeah i remember even like getting 10 or 15 viewers like it was huge was like oh my god mm-hmm. holy shit well here's what we do we start kickstarter for agg tv 
We bring that shit back. <laughs> nice. <laughs> AGG TV. I like it. AGG. Just have everybody sets up a webcam in their game room and there just leaves that shit on 24-7. There you go. Because you know some shit, someone's going to start another live streaming channel yeah website. yeah you know it's a spam yeah, that justin's gone there's they want to take the there's a demand they want to take the channel owners from justin you know? yeah yeah because those those people don't have anywhere to go like well, well, yeah, they don't want to go to twitch it's yeah. they, they, and the funny thing is i watched like the goodbye video from justin.tv and they were like yeah just go to twitch now it's like yeah like people freaking live streaming their lives are going to go on twitch they'll get ridiculed they're yeah. not playing yeah. games yeah I don't even think that if they don't put a game in their list, it won't even show up in the feed. No. So what, what the happened. fuck does that mean? Yeah. You know? When I play really obscure games, that's why sometimes I have to just put some random ass title. Because when you play an obscure game and it's not in Twitch's directory, you don't even show up as being a live streamer unless someone has a direct link to your channel. Oh, wow. I read in a forum somewhere and if they were posting... Something like somebody was like, "Hey, can you add this game? I can't believe this game's not in the the thing." And one of the representatives from Twitch wrote back, and I think they said that they use the feed from GameFAQs. If the game is not in GameFAQs, then it won't be in there. I mean, there's a lot of games in GameFAQs, but not everything is in GameFAQs. Yeah, so that that's what they mm. use. So if it's not registered there, it won't be. That's why, like, when we do our old gamers live streams, people always wonder why it says we're playing like Barbie's Horse Adventures, which is actually the games <laughs> that I choose to use, or Shaq Fu, or Shaq Fu. Like, we choose that so that we actually show up as being a live streamer in Twitch, or else mm. it won't. Ren, the people won't be able to come in and see our beautiful or of beautiful voices. Yeah, we should right. do that again soon. We should do a live stream soon episode. Yeah, Those we should. Fun. We should. Those are fun. Every once in a while, it's nice to keep it fresh and just it's fun for the listeners to be on and get feedback and stuff like that. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Right on, gentlemen. Uh, well, anything else? I haven't ate anything all day. It's dinner time. <laughs> it's uh, seven thirty right now, and I've had. I want to talk about Ensure. For some reason, everybody thinks that Ensure drinks are like for old people. No. Have you guys had Ensure chocolate? It's Real the chocolate? bomb. Heard of it? I've it's the bomb. Something amazing. Yeah. John, you get out to the stores and you buy it. It's like you recommended your gold bond. We're <laughs> recommending Ensure. This episode is brought to you by Ensure. Mm-hmm. You should check out Ensure. <laughs> Ensure.com. Ensure.com. <laughs> no, I never, I never had Ensure. I've heard of it. So it's like, it's kind of like um, what I picture. It's like a protein is, drink. Like it's, it's, it's like got quite a bit of protein. Yeah, but it's better than SlimFast. Like the taste is just so much damn better. It's more like a thick shake. SlimFast is. is just like garbage. <laughs> Ensure is more like a thick shake. It's garbage in a can. <laughs> the taste is just so fucking good. I wake up with myself with instant breakfast. It's more chocolate. That's what I wake up to get some of my carnation instant breakfast. Mm. You guys have that before? What? Carnation instant breakfast? You're going to love it in an instant? Come on. You don't know that? I've heard this. like missing noodles? Breakfast. I've heard of Carnation instant breakfast. I don't Carnation. know what the hell it is. Plug it okay. in, plug it in. So Carnation instant breakfast is like, it comes in several flavors. Strawberry, chocolate, vanilla, whatever. You can get malt flavor. And it's like a powder. It comes in like a, almost like a quick. And you mix it in with milk. And it's basically like a chocolate milk that has all the nutritional stuff that like cereal would have and fills you up. Dude, it's a lifesaver in the morning. Wow. It's awesome. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me let me search this. No, hold on. Carnation. <laughs> I used to have this shit all the time back in the day. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, it's been around for a while. I used to have this like every morning in high school or middle yeah. school or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Good stuff, huh? I knew it sounded familiar. Yeah. 
Yeah, I used to love the. Now I gotta know. look. What is this thing? No, yeah, Jason, you would like this. Dude, thing. I go to Costco and get just the boxes full. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I've seen this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that logo. I remember that logo. Yeah. That big ass yellow box. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Carnation Instant Breakfast. Be sure to check out <laughs> Use coupon code All Geniers for <laughs> for a negative one point two percent discount. <laughs> imagine, imagine they're gonna like look on their site traffic and see like all these people coming in in the past week, like trying to enter in the coupon Insert. code Algen Gamers. <laughs> like, what is this? Seriously, it's Dash though. God, pl- please do. I've never had an insurer, but you know, I'm going to try it now, Pete. Since you're yeah, try it. In high school, I had my wisdom teeth pulled, yeah. and they were like, "Okay, all you can eat is insure for like the next week." And I was like, "Fuck that," you know. And so we go to Costco, we buy the bulk pack of insure chocolate, right? So I'm like, "Fuck, this is going to be shitty." I got addicted to it, <laughs> and I'm with you, Pete. It's really good. Like and you can drink them warm. Like I'm drinking it unrefrigerated, but that's just I don't know. Like I sometimes there's just none in the fridge. So I just yeah, you can just straight up. Yeah. Is it dairy based or is it like yahoo ya- whatever? And it's like water. It's probably. I mean, if you can keep it out of the refrigerator yeah. for and drink, <laughs> it's, it's got some weird shit in it. It's got a 20 year shelf life. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff, man. Now I'm hungry. Get some food, man. For sure. Mm-hmm. Starving. Dude, Portland's gonna be here before we know it too. I can't wait. Oh god, right around the corner. You got fast. your tickets, right? You got me your flight ticket and everything. Have you booked your flight? No. Yeah. All right. I'm excited get on for that. It. It's gonna be get good. on that. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna have a panel for those who don't know. We'll have a, a live panel, so that'll be fun. I'm not sure when our panel's gonna be though. What day? We don't know. Yeah, they haven't released really the yet, schedule we yet. Will certainly, let you guys know. But that's it's gonna be fun. It's been two years since we've had a live panel. And, and come up all, and say hello to us. Please come up and say hi. Yeah, because apparently hi. so many people like always say, Oh, I saw you, and I was I didn't say hi. No. Get over and say hi. And evidently uh, this year for the first time they're doing a meet and greet area where they are basically like scheduling people to Oh god, that's uh, gonna um, be too awkward for me. <laughs> like you get your own table or something. Well see like, well see I would I was I was talking to Chuck. The thing that happens is people they do it at the panel and it takes up time and people don't get out of there and it messes up all the times so what they're trying to do is get people out of there into a designated area where they can just kind of mingle and hang out and keep the panels going you know i see what you mean just like a designated yeah so it's just like gonna be like some weird ass like comic-con autograph shit like no (laughs) it's just way too much can you sign my boobies pete no i think he said it's just like a you know a table and a stage and a bunch of lights and a fog machine and a bunch of flashers and a bunch of dancers so it'll be all right (laughs) stripper pole (laughs) 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 so that'll be cool though too so we can just like mingle with people and hang out none of us really bite very hard so just you know feel free to come up i know jason uh mel jesus he bites really hard so especially in the groin area the groin you gotta watch out cover or, cup. Yeah, if, if you guys play baseball just bring your cup bring your cup <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously i can't wait it's like only what two months away less than two months away it's like the 18th of october right mm-hmm. yeah no wait yeah. is it 18th yeah Oh yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. And then you know, Vegas is coming up too. Uh, Jason, we're coming, we're hitting up Vegas, rocking it. Yeah, if you guys are going like to Vegas, weeks. come say hi to us. That's the 12th of September. So that's coming up right around the corner. We'll be at that G81 booth. Well, what? Doug we'll Cone re- represent. Woof woof. Woof woof. <laughs> no, but really, bring me an insurance and come say hi. Insurance and gold bond. And gold. <laughs> 
Bring the bring the gold insert <laughs> and freshly made poutine if you're coming Ooh, up from Canada. Ooh, God, God, can you? I wonder if you can get that there. Vegas? Shit, you can get anything in Vegas. Yeah, yeah we got to hunt down. It's food. all about that 3 a.m. shitty Chinese food, though. Mm. That's what I like the buffet shit at 3 a.m. Oh God! No, oh, that's you. Vegas. It's Vegas. No, I'm taking a shit. Have that fucking apple. <laughs> Carry around that apple with you, Jason. Oh, Pete. Oh, you know what? I do. I have a bunch of apples. I've been eating more apples <laughs> and drinking more water, Pete. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you find that you just like stop, like you can still drink soda, but if you start subbing, like if you go to a restaurant or whatever, just drink water instead of soda as much as you can. It helps. Mm-hmm. You lose a lot of weight. Yeah. 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 For sure. As hard as it is for me to pass up those blue Mountain Dews, goddamn! Oh shit! And I love that Baja blue and Blast. red Mountain Dew, and they're coming out with the Baja. Is that out yet? It, it's been out. I've been through. I, I went through ten cases. <laughs> really? What's this? The Baja what? Baja Blast. It's the Taco oh, Baja Bell Blast is the Taco exclusive. Bell. Yeah, but they have it in cans now. So their ten-year contract ran out this year. Oh wow! And so Pepsi released it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's in stores. Baja Blast. It's good stuff, though. That is good stuff. <sighs> damn. I used to work at uh, Taco Bell in college, and I used to uh, just wheeze that shit all the time, man. Shit, put it in my veins. Just attach a, a, a nozzle mm. to it. Mm. Drive it in. It's <laughs> funny. We're done. Good times. I think a good episode, guys. Thank you. Good times. Thank you. Yeah. We love you long time. I love you long time. See everybody in two weeks. See you in two yeah, weeks. We'll see you in two weeks, guys. All right, Pete. See you, Jason. See you, guys. Take care. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Bye.